0: Welcome to the 24th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we are once again joined by our guy at fantasy underscore underscore champs. If you don't follow him already, make sure you follow him on Instagram. And today we're talking about our guys for the 2020 football season. So each of us covers three of our favorite players for 2020 and go in depth as to why we believe they are must-haves for the 2020 fantasy football season. Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. Today we are talking, this is probably the most exciting episode we're going to have all offseason. We are talking our guys for 2020. These are our players that, these three guys, for us specifically, we want to try to get every single one of them in our drafts in 2020. So my guy all started off just because I want, I want to talk about him. I've been waiting to talk about this guy forever. My guy, Terry McLaurin. I know People have been split on him. His ADP is still at wide receiver twenty seven on Fantasy Pros right now. I have this guy squarely inside my top fifteen. I think he has top ten upside if Dwayne Haskins can actually be like somewhat of an average quarterback. But even if Haskins sucks, it doesn't matter. McLaurin is still that dude. So just some stats to like kind of put into context what McLaurin was working with last year. So last year his pace through sixteen games was literally the same exact thing as AJ Brown with more catches. He had sixty six catches. 1,050 yards and eight touchdowns. So, like, should be drafted right next to A.J. Brown based upon the full body of work that they had for the season. But he isn't because he plays in this Redskins offense. That last year, they were super slow-paced. They ran 835 plays total. And now you bring in offensive coordinator Scott Turner, who was with the Panthers last year. They ran 1,019 plays total. So, almost a 200-play increase. That's literally 20% of the offensive output for the Redskins is going to be increased just by volume that is not even accounting for Haskins being good McLaurin getting better as a player whatever right so this guy's gonna be seeing over 130 targets at least I'm projecting him for around like 145 and I think he's gonna finish with around 1,200 yards and touchdowns are gonna be hard to come by because like the Redskins do suck and I'm not gonna say that they don't suck because they do but I'll say like seven to eight touchdowns is probably what I'd expect and with those numbers he's literally finishing inside the top 15 like McLaurin I think just watching him play, he's one of the most refined rookies I've ever seen. Like, there's really no flaws in his game right now. Um, obviously, he could maybe be a little bit stronger. He's like six one, two ten. 210. Uh, but you don't need him to be a tank. He's a speedster, but he's a great route runner. He does everything you really want. I think McLaurin is like my – if I had to say one single guy that is like a must-have in 2020, I'll say it's Terry McLaurin for me.
1: I can see that. I know, I, know you, I know you hate McLaurin. Like you said... Uh... Uh, not, not, not as much recently. He's been moving up a little. huh. I'm a big fan of Terry
2: McLaurin as well. I love how they brought in Scott Turner as their offensive coordinator who uh, loved working with DJ Moore last season. And I think that they're going to be passing a ball, the ball a lot more now that uh, Bill Callahan is out of there. And yeah, they're not going to be holding back Dwayne Haskins as much going into year two. I think that he was throwing the ball Somewhere between twenty-four to twenty-six passes last season. So yeah. uh, going into year two, they've been training together all offseason. I mean, they 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 played together at Ohio State. So um, you can imagine that he's going to be targeting his guy, the guy that he tra- he's been trusting the past like three or four years. So uh, along with that, there's really not that many other receivers to to go like that are around Terry McLaurin to rival yeah. his volume. It's him and uh, Stevens. And, That's it. Yeah, so, uh, he's a rookie so like uh he's he's gonna be you know easing to the offense as a little bit Wait, but uh yeah he's a rookie right no no
0: yeah. no he played last year he was really good at the end of last year um they have Antonio um, Gandy-Golden as a rookie but Sims is gonna be the number two for sure in that offense weird. okay Sims is a sophomore you know. yeah, 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 yeah so Connor, my bad. Why, explain to me why McLaurin has actually moved up since the last time we spoke
1: um, I've been watching a lot of Nick BDGE, and when he <laughs> when he talks someone up, I, I, I listen. So <laughs> that's his guy. So
0: yeah, it's um, just like, I, I just
1: I just believe in the talent. It, you, you can't ignore it. It's he's just an unbelievable talent. So. I think
0: I mean, I, Tyler always laughs at me because I love to compare people to Allen Robinson, but like I literally think his career arc is going to be the next Allen Robinson. Yeah. Like he's going to play with like garbage quarterbacks throughout <laughs> his entire career, and he's still going to run up numbers every single year. Like high volume a, guy that he's one. he plays like an alpha. Like, yeah, the talent is just so good I can't really fade him. But anyways, yeah, it's enou- crazy. enough about my guy uh, Connor. I want to hear about one of your num your number one buy. Who's your number one guy to get in
1: twenty twenty? It's gotta be Robert Woods. I have him in Sir. almost every league, and if I yeah. don't have him, I'm trying to trade for him. And so I always say that volume is king. Outside of David Montgomery. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so in in 2019, he was drafted as the wide receiver sev- 17 and finishes the wide receiver 14. 2018, wide receiver 42 being drafted, finishes the wide receiver 11. In 2017, undrafted, finishes the wide receiver 19 in points per game. So every year he's outproducing his ADP. Right now he's being drafted as the wide receiver 19. Like I. I I can't believe that I'm I'm with my wide receiver eight and I'm much higher than most. I even have him over Deandre Hopkins at this point. I just moved him up. So one of my, I say this all the time, the Rams after the bye week, they switched to two tight end sets because they have the 31st ranked offensive line in the NFL. So another tight end means another blocker. So, uh, in that span, Robert Woods averaged 19.2 points per game, 11.3 targets per game, 7.4 receptions, and 94 yards per game. And he was sixth in points per game in that span because he did miss one the one game due to personal reasons, if you remember. And, like, that whole switch, like, he jumped from – he jumped in seven points per game from the first half to the second half of the season. So, he benefits from being on the outside, and Cooper Cup does not benefit at all. He's a primary slot guy. Cooper Cup went from twenty one points per game to twelve point nine points per game. And that was on the back of like I think he had like six touchdowns during that Yeah, span. he
0: had a touchdown in every single game, yeah. I think for like five straight weeks.
1: Yeah, so it, it, this is if they stay in this offense, it's it's Robert Woods. Yep. Like hundred percent. Like Cooper Cup he's good, but like if he's not playing the slot, I I'm just concerned for him. Absolutely. And uh like even in that Vancouver Cup, 46 yards per game. Like that, that's terrible from his 99 <laughs> yards per game before that. Yeah. So, um. It, and then when people like sometimes they come with, uh, he he had easy matchups. Well, that yeah, he did have easy team matchups, but when you look at the corners he was going up against, Marcus Peters, Patrick Peterson twice. He put up 20 and 30 points per game or points on Patrick Peterson. There there was one more. I can't remember, but he he was playing good corners, even though it was bad teams. Yeah, good primary corners.
0: He's an established receiver in the NFL. Like people really just like to brush him off. Tyler, I know you wanted to talk about uh, Woods also. I know Connor kind of stole your guy here. Yeah, uh, tell me, tell me more about also why both of you are just and me included, but you guys definitely more so like super high on Robert Woods.
2: Yeah, Robert Woods is definitely one of my favorite targets uh, for this upcoming season. Like you said, he ex- excelled in uh, 12 personnel and kind of surpassed Cooper Cup as the number one guy when they converted to that. Um, in those seven, those last seven games together that Cooper Cup and Robert Woods both played, uh, Cup got 44 targets, 33 catches, 316 yards, and five touchdowns. So like, um, he was very touchdown dependent those last seven games. Uh, with Woods, he was getting 79 targets. 52 catches 663 yards and two touchdowns so it's clear that like the, when they converted to the yeah. the 12 personnel he was getting nearly double the amount of volume as Cooper Cup because Cup just isn't an outside guy he spent I think uh 90, 80 out of his 900 snaps in the on the outside which is I th- like less than 10 percent of his snaps so he's going Cup is going into his contract year I think that the Rams are really preparing to uh, for a life without uh, Cooper Cup beyond the season. They drafted Van Jefferson in the second round, who profiles as a guy that's very similar to Robert Woods. Uh, excel, he he does very well in man to man. We saw that in that LSU game last season where he scored two touchdowns, scoring on uh, those elite, yeah, those elite uh, LSU defensive backs. But um, yeah, Robert Woods, I think that he's gonna. He he's being drafted behind Cooper Cup, which is just—I think it's like it's, five spots. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's lazy by by uh, draft analysts because they look at last year's stats and say yeah. like, oh, Cooper Cup finished fourth in in the in fantasy points last season. Yeah, so like he has to be ahead of Robert Woods, but they don't look deeper into the stats. Like this guy, Cup was so reliant on touchdowns, even in the second half of the season when he wasn't getting the volume. So, I'm definitely buying Robert Woods. Love the pick here. It's going uh, ADP fifty-seven, so that's like end of the sixth round. So, like, I-, I love that value there. You're getting a guy that really has a wide receiver two floor and could, if he gets the volume and if th- he gets the touchdowns to go his way, like he could easily finish in the top ten. So, did the two last year. yeah, and they they he he was very quiet yeah. uh, that first half of the season. I think that's why people are very down on him. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I, I love this pick here. Um, so since you took my guy, I had, I had to go a different route here, and I'm gonna go with with one of my guys. I'm gonna go with Calvin Ridley, sitting at ADP, forty three wide receiver, seventeen. So one of the reason why is one of the reasons why I love Calvin Ridley is the volume that he's gonna get in this offense. So we saw that the the Falcons last season pass over six hundred times. I think it was six. Uh, it was over six hundred times, and with Dirk Cotter as the offensive coordinator, that's not going to change. He's his offenses have thrown over six hundred times in a season over the past three seasons, so he's going to continue to get that volume between Muhammad. They have they have a lot of open target tar, uh, targets because uh, Devonta Freeman, Muhammad Sanu, and Austin Hooper are out of there. They op- That opens up 209 targets, and I don't believe that all those targets go to Hayden Hurst and Todd Gurley, so I think that Ridley could benefit from that and d- get a lot more targets in this offense, and he's really emerging as a as a star in this league. He's going into year three. Uh, I think he's going to be 26 this year. He's a bit older. He's kind of like Terry McLaurin because McLaurin came in last season. He was age 24, so both of these both McLaurin and Ridley are kind of older for a uh, young like second and third year players so he's going to reach his peak uh, sooner rather than later and I think that this year three uh, he puts it all together and really breaks out and has a lot of big games but uh, like he has the last uh, few seasons but kind of provides more consistency this season because he's going to get more volume so I love this I love Calvin Ridley sitting at wide receiver seventeen. I'd love to have him as my wide receiver two, getting him as a low wide receiver two, because I think he's a guy that could finish uh with as a wide receiver one.
0: Definitely.
1: Yep, I agree. He's about wide receiver 12 in my rankings right now. Yeah,
0: that's that's about where I think he should be getting drafted. Like, uh, I know people are comparing him to, like, this year's Chris Godwin. I don't think the ceiling is that high for Ridley this year because, obviously, like, Julio is more dominant than Mike Evans, and Ridley is, in my opinion, not a more complete receiver compared to Godwin. Like, he's not great after the catch, but, like, he separates, like, crazy. Like, he's more of, like, a Keenan Allen type of guy where, like, he's just always open. And, obviously, he's good in the end zone because people are, like, bracketing coverage on Julio. But yeah, like, uh, it's a clear downgrade between going from Sanu to Russell Gage, uh, Hooper to Hurst. And I mean, Freeman to Gurley to me is like equal in terms of receiving ability, given what we saw from Gurley last season. So there's only one player that really can kind of like take a step up in this offense. And I think that's going to be Calvin Ridley. So Tyler, I'm completely on board with you. I think Ridley's probably one of the best wide receiver two targets this year outside of like Robert Woods, just because Woods is going to see, I don't know, 150, 160 targets. But if if Woods is off the board, like, Ridley's probably my second favorite wide receiver two to grab this season. Like, he's he's great value, touchdown upset every week, like, week-to-week boom ability. I mean, everything you want in a wide receiver two, he brings to the table. So, yeah, I love, love, love Calvin Ridley this year. All
2: right. So, uh, Gad, who's your uh, second buy? My second guy. guy. So,
0: I have – I have two options here. Um, I'll talk receiver again, uh, stay in the same division as Calvin Ridley. We'll go with DJ Moore. Um, Literally, like, this dude, like, more so in Dynasty than Redraft, just because I think DJ Moore is going to end up becoming, like, I don't want to say Hall of Fame level receiver, but he's going to be damn near close to it. Like, this dude has done everything perfectly to this juncture in his (laughs) career. He's elite athletically. He has elite draft capital. He's performed at an elite level while he's been in the NFL, despite having, absolute garbage quarterback play. He had Cam Newton play good for like six weeks and then he's been playing with Kyle Allen, like uh, Will Greer last year, whoever the hell played for them at the end of 2018. Like just not a lot of good things coming from the quarterback position. So he's playing with his best quarterback now. And like I said earlier, the Panthers were a very high-paced offense last year with Scott Turner. And that might even go up with Joe Brady. I mean, this dude, if his LSU offense that only played like they played shorter quarters and whatever, if they would have been Uh, I'm pretty sure second in the NFL in plays per game, like last year. And that's in college. And like bring that to the NFL, like that same type of speed, it's definitely still going to be a high-paced, like I'll say probably top 10 paced offense. So the volume of overall plays is still going to be there. Then you look at what exactly they did. I mean, they added Robbie Anderson. So they have Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel that can run speed routes on the outside, and they're fast as hell. DJ Moore can run on the outside, but primarily he's a guy you want to get in space. I think Joe Brady's going to allow him to run that slot role and just go absolutely crazy. Like I'm talking Michael Thomas type of crazy because Teddy Bridgewater is, I mean, he's efficient when he throws down the field, but he's not throwing the ball down the field more than like twice a game. And he's going to throw 30 plus passes a game. I'll say like 10 of them are going to go to more. I think he's in line for 150, 160 plus targets this year. And when you put that with the amount of talent and elite athletic ability, this dude has like, there's no flaws in DJ Moore's game. And I think we're really going to see him emerge not into just a star, but like a pro bowl superstar level player this season. I have him, I think like wide receiver five right now. Um, Like he's being drafted round three, I think. Like if I can get DJ Moore as my wide receiver one, and then either Woods or Ridley as my wide receiver two, and then McCorn as my wide receiver three, like, dude, it's game over because I'm already going to (laughs) have two stacked running backs. Like it's just, There's so much value in those later round – or, like, the mid-round receivers. And I think DJ Moore is, like, the highlight of, like, the highest upside guy. Like, he's someone – if you told me he finished inside the top three after the season, like, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think he's going to be drafted inside the top 15 picks going into 2021.
1: Uh, I'll throw out some insane stats I found on him. So, last year he was – he had 135 targets, but only 73% of them were catchable, which is 74th among wide receivers. So that when you bring in Teddy Bridgewater, like Teddy Bridgewater is a clear upgrade. Yeah. If like if he even gets up to like eighty or eighty-two percent of those targets being catchable, like it's it's unbelievable. It's, he had he had a thousand seventy-five yards or one thousand one hundred seventy-five yards on that. So what he that did. That was in last fourteen was, games. That was in fourteen. Yeah, and, yeah games. in fourteen games too. Yeah. He paced for one thousand three hundred and I think like yeah. twelve. Like. And one hundred fifty targets.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. People forget that. Like, like yeah. with with McLaurin and Moore, both of them only played fourteen games. So like. One thing I like to do if a player played like more than twelve games, I like to pace out to see what they did sixteen. Because those two games (laughs) that they missed, like people like counting stats, but they don't really like efficiencies. And when you expand that efficiency throughout an entire year, Mm -hmm. like you really get a huge discount when you look at these players that are young and ascending and still had this great volume from the year before. So
2: absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think I think that you know, Gaddy, I love this DJ Moore pick. It's a very talented player. (laughs) Um, with Teddy Bridgewater coming in, he's probably going to be working with the best quarterback he's had since that first season or that first half of the season with Cam Newton when he was just a rookie then and kind of just get, like learning the ropes of being an NFL uh, player. So uh, Bridgewater coming in, Joe Brady coming in, I love that for DJ Moore. I think that he's really going to break out this season. He's clearly better than Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, and I don't think either of them really rival his, his volume. It's really just about Christian McCaffrey getting a uh, little bit of regression in the, 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 the target category, which I think that he finished with about 150 targets last season and then a historic season overall for running backs. So I think it's fair to say that, that McCaffrey is going to have a little bit of regression in that passing category, the, the, the target category. And with that, um, I think that D.J. Moore is locked in for 150-plus uh, targets. Especially nope. given the 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 state of this team, they <laughs> lost Luke Kuechly and James too. Bradberry as well. Yeah. So this this defense isn't going to be. They're going to so Any good? Yeah.
0: yeah you like, don't have not to be, gonna be nice. nice. <laughs> they're going to be a bad defense, like really yeah. bad. Especially
1: in this division too.
0: Yeah, like the divisional games. DJ Moore is going to see twenty targets. I swear. <laughs> like they're gonna, they're going to be down by fifty in the first quarter, and I'm going to be super happy about it.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it's just going to be great for fantasy owners of DJ Moore because, like, literally that whole second half, they're just going to be throwing, even if it's (laughs) the Teddy Bridgewater. So, yeah, uh, yeah. DJ Moore is really going to benefit from that. I love this pick here. Uh, Expecting him to finish in the top five because of that volume, because of this talent and because of the situation he's in. So I love this yeah. pick here.
0: The the thing that really helps him finish in the top five this year is I think the offense as a whole being better. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many touchdowns they had throwing last year. I want to say it was like 16 to 18 total. Like, that's terrible. And I think Bridgewater, I'm not expecting him to like light it up and throw for 40 touchdowns, but I think like 25-ish is what I'd expect. And like if more falls into the end zone like eight times, I'll say. Then, like, yeah, you're looking. That that's what's going to decide him being like number eight or like number four overall. I think. I think it's going to be that close this year. But anyways, There's enough about players. my receivers. Connor, I want to hear about your running back. I know you have a guy you're super high on. So tell me yeah. about the boy,
1: Miles Sanders. So this <laughs> guy, he's gonna he's gonna light up the league this year. He's my RB five. I moved him ahead of Dalvin Cook due to the contract issues. So last year or the narrative I hear all, all season is. Eagles use our running back by committee and Peterson that's his his style but like a few months ago I was really looking into it and last year Sanders 229 touches were the highest of a Doug Peterson running back since 2016 when he came to Philly and I don't think that was a fluke the next closest was 181 to LeGarrett Blount and so like I, I get that uh, Howard got injured and that, that's what led to the 229 touches but when, when you look at his draft capital, he was the first running back to be drafted uh, in the second round since LaShawn McCoy in 2009 and under the Eagles GM, I, I don't remember his name, but How under the Eagles, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, the only running backs to be drafted in the second round or higher are uh, Brian Westbrook, Miles Sanders and LaShawn McCoy. So he, he's in good company. And uh, since uh, 2010, the highest draft capital on a running back was the fourth round pick. So, like yeah. Sanders is – his draft capital is there, his talents there, and the opportunity is there this year. Everything the Eagles have done this offseason have shown that they believe in Sanders. And so it, I don't see them signing the running back. And everyone's still waiting on it. I don't, I don't see it happening. It's, it's his backfield. And they have Boston Scott there. He's not a bad player. He, he can be a good compliment to Sanders. So when you look into the – when he was a starter last year, I know it's not the biggest sample size, but what he did was his uh, – he was the RB3 from weeks 11 to seven, 16, because I took out week 17 because he got hurt. So he, he uh, was his pace was 300 fantasy points, which would have been the RB5 last year, but it, it, it's a little hard to say that because it was only six games, I think. Yeah. But still, what he was doing was <laughs> like 18 points per game, or 18.8 points per game, uh, 71 rush yards and 34 receiving yards per game. Yeah, everything he was doing was just elite. And he, he has a great O-line. I know Brandon Brooks was hurt, but they were the number one run blocking O-line last year. So even with Brandon Brooks going out, I, I only see them fall to like seven or eight in the league. So it's not it's not a huge fall. And then my last point is something a lot of people ignore is the the goal line for him. Like, he, he has a lot of opportunity there. Last year, uh, Sanders and Howard combined for 14 goal line carries, which would have been fourth among running backs. So if he sees those – around 14 or maybe even more because this offense is going to be better like he he has the opportunity to see like eight maybe eight goal line touchdowns six to eight goal line touchdowns yeah Um, definitely does yeah and then in the red zone in weeks 11 to 17 he averaged 2.5 red zone carries per game which is a pace of 40 on the season so like he has all the opportunity in the world for those touchdowns and then add the receptions yards everything he he's just he, i have him everywhere and i'm gonna have him everywhere and i yeah. i would be fine taking him mid first round
0: with miles sanders here's my thing i don't get me wrong i'm still very high on miles sanders i think we have my like rb9 and like he's in that tier with like derrick henry for us like he's in right in that tier like my thing with miles sanders i don't know how much his late season efficiency is or like production is in partly in due to the fact that they did not have any wide receivers so like he yeah. was seeing more I, receiving work and whatever the one thing i really really like from Miles Sanders is like first 8 weeks of the season he was like nicely put he was really bad running the football in between the tackles yeah, he, he got, got much better at it later like i watched the game against the bills i think it was yeah i re- i recently watched like the full like game film from that and like he looked really really experienced as a runner in that game so if he can become more consistent as a runner, like he will absolutely will finish inside the top five. I think that's the only thing really holding him back. Yeah. I think Doug Peterson, like people are saying it's going to be a running back by committee. I still think they're going to sign a veteran. And I keep saying like when they sign one, that's when I'm going to try to get Miles Sanders. Cause this is his backfield. He's getting 18 touches a game regardless. Like it doesn't matter who they bring in. Like he's the dude in this backfield. He's the best running back they've ever had under Doug Peterson. And he's a super talented player. If he improves as a runner, that's the only thing I want to see. The only reason I'm a little skeptical to take him, like, round one, I love him in round two. Like, if I can get him, say, like, a 12-team league, like, a 15th, 14th yeah, overall, that's possible. I'm buying him all day. Like, he has yeah. just as much upside as any other running back and could be a Christian McCaffrey type of breakout, like, if he does improve in those areas. Because we saw the same thing from McCaffrey. He took time to go from just being a receiving weapon to being, like, an all-around threat. And I think that's kind of what I'm waiting to see from Sanders. But I absolutely love the value of Sanders in round two. And if he does improve, like, you have a league winner from the second round. Like, he's yeah. going to be a great, great player. So, yeah, I, I like Miles Sanders a lot this year. I would love to have him on a lot of my teams. I don't have him anywhere yet. He went super <laughs> early in our dynasty startup, um, much earlier than I was anticipating. So, yeah. Uh, Tyler, how do you feel about Sanders?
2: Yeah, I, I, I like what you said about um... – than potentially getting a veteran running back because I think either way, he's just too talented to get uh, – to not get 16 to 18 touches in this offense. And in this offense, I believe that he could be extremely efficient uh, with Doug Peterson being the offensive coordinator – or, sorry, head coach, uh, Carson Wentz being quarterback. I think that he could surpass Zach Ertz as the most talented uh, player in this offense.
0: Oh, for, I think he already uh, has. So. I, I mean, I'm not that high on Ertz, but Sanders is a dog to me. Like, he's, he's a three-down, like, workhorse – yeah. When given the opportunity.
2: Yeah, I just I, – I think that, you know, you got – you. I think it, it they would – it would be very beneficial for them to get more depth at the running back position. Yeah. And when they do – if and when they do that, I think that's the perfect time to draft Miles Sanders because yeah. you, if he dips from, like, where is he going? Like early second yeah. to late second, that's just great value right there because exactly. he, I compared him uh, early in the offseason – to um, impact like impact wise in fantasy to like this year's Aaron Jones because I believe that he could really get a lot of touchdown volume and just like be a highly efficient player and have very big boom games and really uh, benefit with the res- in the receiving category, but uh, also have a bit of inconsistency. Not so much that he's like unplayable in those weeks, but like he just his his uh, his fantasy points will fluctuate a lot uh so um i i lo- like personally i'd love to have that as my rb2 because like uh with my rb1 i love to have like a nice consistent guy that can give me like either like 15 to 18 points a game and then McCaffrey. my rb2 you
0: like christian mccaffrey as your rb1 is what you say
2: <laughs> like any any of those uh top four or five guys like the z kamara um don't say dalvin cook i wasn't gonna say dalvin cook somebody's okay, just slipping oh saquon and cmc yeah but uh, getting Sanders as my RB2, someone that could really, uh, has like, has boom-bust potential, I- I'd love to have that. He's, like, right in that Kenyon Drake-Austin-Eckler area of players because he he does a lot in the receiving game, yeah. and he can provide a lot of value there. And, like like I said, he, he has a lot of boom-bust potential. So, I, I love this Miles Sanders pick. I'm not <laughs> sure if I, I- – I don't think I would draft him as my RB1, but I'd love to have him as my RB2 because I think that – uh, end of season rankings I think that he does finish as an RB1 but he doesn't provide the consistency that you would love to have as your RB1 yeah
1: in a in a dynasty league a few weeks or months back before the draft I got Kamara then I went Sanders in like the late second and then I grabbed Moore that's perfect Carter. like it was that's literally perfect it was just a perfect draft <laughs>
0: wow yeah. yeah that's like that's literally especially in dynasty oh my god yeah. Kamara and Sanders mm-hmm. like uh, one of our friends in our league that we just did—he literally got uh, Zeke and Sanders. Like, that's crazy. <sighs> Sanders is your RB two. That, that that frustrates me because that's that's <laughs> what I wanted to do. But it's fine. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. So Tyler, hit me with your second guy.
2: So my running back, my guy uh, for running backs this year is going to be Melvin Gordon out in Denver. So he's going as RB seventeen, ADP thirty three, and he's just a guy that I, I'd love to have. Um, as my RB2, if I were to go uh, running back wide receiver in my first two rounds or wide receiver running back, uh, he's playing behind the best offensive line in his career, given that the Chargers have just had an abysmal offensive line the last three or four years. And, like, Broncos aren't very – don't have a great offensive line, but it's an improvement from the Chargers line, and they have a very uh, respectable coach as their offensive line coach and Mike Munchak, who I have a lot of faith in. He spent the Pat, or from 2018 to I think 2010, he was the offensive line coach for the Steelers. So we saw, yeah, Yeah. so we saw what he developed there. And I think that he can do a lot. He can, if he does like 80% or 75% of what he did in Pittsburgh with his offensive line, um, this could be a a great offensive line for Melvin Gordon. So I have a lot of faith in that. Um, I think he's going to get the most important touches. In this offense, given the fact that they didn't really have someone they trusted in the goal line or inside the ten, uh, between Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay last season, they they uh, their touches were fourteen and thirteen respectively inside the ten. So I think that they brought in Melvin Gordon to be that inside of the ten kind of guy, uh, get those most important touches and uh, just just get into the end zone. Another thing I wanted to point out is that um, he had a lot he had a lot of success. In the shotgun last season, I think that he had a 43% success rate in the shotgun, and they're going to be using a lot of shotgun this season. We saw with Pat Shermer coming in; that's his new offensive coordinator, who was the Giants' head coach last season. They ran shotgun 72% of the time, and um, I think that's that bodes very well for Melvin Gordon, considering that Phil Lindsay was he sucked in in shotguns. Yeah, wasn't he, like he? I think
0: he was like bottom 5 in like shotgun running like or like success rate, something like that. Yeah, he he had, he had a
2: sub 30% success rate in shotgun. <laughs> he he he's just a better uh uh runner under center and I think that th- even if Lindsay gets touches, they'll be a great one-two punch. Yeah. Uh I think Melvin still gets his 16 to 18 touches a game and nobody's heard a word about Royce Freeman all offseason <laughs> Like John Elway hasn't said, it. yeah, he, he like nobody knows what's going on there, so I, I don't think that he takes away from, from Melvin. He's probably I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone, maybe he goes to a team like Philadelphia. I don't know, but um, like that, yeah. I I I love Melvin Gordon at where he's going at the RB17, and I, I see him as a guy that can finish in the top 15, top 12 of the season. He's gonna get the receiving work too. Because yeah. he's not a receiver. Yeah. That's that, That's another thing I wanted to mention. Yeah. Uh, the last the last eight games, Philip Lindsay was getting, I think he got like 16 targets total. Yeah, that's eight. So, like, yeah, that's like two targets a game. So, I, I think that Elway really brought him in to be that, that receiving, to get the receiving work in this offense. So, I love Melvin Gordon. Yeah, yeah they, with they Melvin
1: – oh, wait, no, you go. You go, Connor, my bad. They, they paid him, like, good money. And, like, he, he has a – like, I don't usually use this as an argument, but he, like, he has a motivation. Like, he, he went to the Broncos for a reason. Like, because he just – he wants to get – like, he wants to prove to the Chargers that he's worth that money. Like, he even said it. I think he tweeted it or something. So, like, like he's not – he he has motivation. He, he has all the opportunity he's going to need. And he's running behind a good old line. Like, he has everything you need. And he's, he's, like, RB17, which is, like, the lowest he's been in his career. Like, other than last year when he was uh, – what's he called? He was, holding he, he was
2: still i think he was still a mid to early rb2 because of Perfect. that holdout yeah. stuff but uh yeah. yeah he's a value this year
0: yeah the thing is melvin gordon like it, this i go back way to his college days because like if you watched him in college behind a good offensive line he was literally the most yeah. dominant running back i've ever seen for stretches i think he has like two 400 yard yeah. rushing <laughs> in college like
2: this That's dude insane. like
0: He's one of those running backs like, if you give him a bad O-line, he's not going to be very good because he needs to kind of, like, pick up speed, whatever. Like, kind of like Gurley. um, Gordon's a little more elusive, and Gurley's obviously way more powerful and probably faster. But, like, Gordon's one of those guys, like, give him a good O-line, like, he'll give you a ton of production. And he's going to have the best O-line he's ever seen. Connor, like you said, he's going to have that receiving work. Like, he's going to be the receiver in this offense. Pat Shermer likes to target the running back. And Melvin Gordon was brought in by John Elway because – Obviously, Philip Lindsay. I mean, he can catch passes, but he's kind of like a one-trick pony. He's a good runner in between the tackles, and I like the way he plays. Melvin Gordon is definitely the more versatile of this group. And he said, I cannot play Royce Freeman anywhere anymore. He, he sucks for this offense. So he went out, he paid Melvin Gordon way too much money. Wait. And now it's really – I think for fantasy purposes, I love it for Melvin Gordon. The only thing I'm pissed about is Melvin Gordon's ADP is still like late round – like mid-round three. And I was hoping it would go back to, like, round five with the news of, like, it being, like, a running back by committee, whatever. But I guess people see what we see. Like, I'm totally fine with Melvin as my RB2. Uh, he's one of the few running backs in those, like, third to fourth rounds that I'll actually draft because there's other names that I really do not like. But Melvin is one of the few guys that I'm actually believing in this year. So, yeah, Melvin Gordon is, I mean, he's, for me, the definition of, like, a perfect RB2 with RB1 upside if everything goes his way and if it doesn't, he's still going to score touchdowns, and he's going to get a pretty decent amount of rushing yards. So, yeah, Melvin Gordon, probably one of my favorite RB2s to get this year. Tyler, we'll go back to you because I want to end off with my rant about the running back that I'm going to talk about at the end.
2: Connor kind of, kind of caught me off guard with his Robert Woods pick, so I'm going to go with another guy that I, I'd love to have uh, for his value, and that's Allen Robinson going as wide receiver 9, ADP 27. Um He's one of the guys that's just going to get a lot of volume this season, and he's a very talented player. Like you said, Gadio, you com- you compared McLaurin to Allen Robinson because he he just he does very well in that that in man-to-man coverage, and he makes a lot of contested catches. Yep. He's going into age 27. He seems a lot older because he's been around the league since I think 2013, and he he just gone through a lot. He went he had a torn ACL in uh, 2016, so uh, he came back. And uh, didn't didn't play as well his first season back, but his second season back in 2019, um, he he just excelled. He 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 got the volume that he deserved because he's a very talented player, and uh, he he really displayed the talent that he had in 2015 when he had uh, a wide receiver one season. 14 touchdowns. So I downs. loved it. Yeah, with, with Blake, Blake Bortles, Bortles as a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's dealt with very bad. Uh, quarterbacks throughout his career and now they just brought in Nick Foles so even if Mitchell Trubisky ends up being the quarterback in this offense he's gonna he's gonna up his game because there's pressure applied to him like there's a there's a formidable guy behind him that can easily come in and just uh run the offense and um i think either way the quarterback play improves for Allen robinson i don't think anybody really rivals him for the volume that he's going to get he finished with 154 targets in 2019 and i don't i don't see any reason why he wouldn't get around that same amount of targets they um uh, taylor Ga- taylor gabriel is out of there i think that really benefits uh anthony miller for the most part but i don't think that um anybody else really takes away from his volume and yeah I, I just I, I love Allen Robinson he's just as consistent as it gets because of the volume that he's going to get and the talent that he is so I'm going to be buying him if I if I go uh double RB first two rounds he's someone that I'd love to have as my wide receiver
1: one going into 2020. I mean, I'm getting him everywhere I can as well he had a Mr. Bish, had at 3.3 touchdown rate which was the third worst of the NFL so you can't really get go much farther down than that, so it, it you have to go up. I, I would say, but <laughs> yeah. you never know.
0: <laughs> I mean, Mitch just, could really be the first quarterback to throw like a one percent touchdown, <laughs> but that possible.
2: it's not possible, possible. if if uh, Foles plays. If Foles, yeah, so. I really hope
1: Foles comes in because yeah. he, he was really yeah. good with Chark, and Chark is a similar, I'd say, play uh, build. Yeah. Really like, well, it's a similar situation because yeah. they're
2: Chark and Allen Robinson are are just so much better than any any of the other receivers in their offenses.
0: Wow, Jimmy Graham's actually pretty good though. Is he?
2: <laughs> is he? <laughs> what about the but, other seven like, tight ends like, that they have? I don't there. know.
0: They signed him to a contract, so maybe they think he's going to do that. Um, no, but I think like Allen Robinson is literally. It would not surprise me in the slightest if one he led the league in like total targets, two, if he led the league in total receiving yards and three, if he led the league in total touchdowns. And like, when I say all this, what I'm leading to is Allen Robinson could realistically finish as the wide receiver. One, he's an elite talent in the NFL. He's going to see elite opportunity. And if he gets even like, just, just, just slightly average quarterback play, like it doesn't even need to be like, it can be mediocre, just anything better than awful, which is what he got last year. Then yeah, Allen Robinson could literally be a top five guy and you're getting him in round three, he's he's closer to like the Devontae Adams and like Mike and like or Mike Evans, Devontae or not Devontae Adams, Julio Jones of the world in terms of overall receiver ability, more so than the players he's being drafted around like like I don't even know. Like Adam Thielen. Like he's significantly better than Adam Thielen in my opinion.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and people are gonna think that you're crazy in saying that, but like they just don't go and watch a tape with Allen robinson like if you go and watch him play like he's an elite wide receiver in this league and it's just like the only thing that's been holding him back is the the wide receiver or the quarterback play yeah so I yeah could throw, I, I love alan robinson
0: i could play quarterback for the chicago bears and Allen robinson is still going for a thousand yards like it, it doesn't matter <laughs> he's literally just he's so good and i did not play quarterback in high school that was not my game trust me i was not i stayed away from quarterback so yeah Alan Robinson, he is literally that dude. I love him. He's a superstar without all the clout around him. So, love him. Uh, Connor, give me your third guy. All
1: right, getting back to the Washington Redskins, it's Steven Sims, the uh, undrafted rookie or sophomore now um, out of Kansas. Last year he did 34 catches for 310 yards and five touchdowns. Not a, super impressive, but considering what he came into as a undrafted rookie on the Redskins, like, that's
0: pretty <laughs> That's good. super impressive.
1: Yeah. yeah. And uh, in the, like being an undrafted rookie, you don't really get a shot like that early or that often. So in, he only played 50 – he had a snap share of 50% or higher in six out of the 16 games he played. And in those games, he averaged 14.6 points per game. So like when he's on the field, he's, he's, he's doing good. Like, he's playing really well. Yeah. Um, when talking targets for snap, uh, which is also known as hog rate, he was fourth among wide receivers and the only guys who were ahead of him were Michael Thomas, Julio and Devante Adams. Like that's like elite company. Like he's when he's on the field, they're throwing the ball to him. And, um, finally, uh, he was fifth in fantasy points per route run, which is another metric I like to use because when you look at like the leaders in that, it's, they're, they're usually pretty good wide receivers. Yeah. So like he, like he's one of the most efficient wide receivers last year, like with the opportunity he got. And, um, from weeks thirteen to seventeen, he was a wide receiver fifteen, and weeks fifteen to seventeen, he was a wide receiver five, and that was with Dwayne Haskins, I think. And and some yeah, of those
0: Haskins yeah. played those games.
1: Yeah, so he was good with Haskins, and um, over you're not going to like this, but over the last five games, he outscored Terry by fifteen points. But I'm not sure if Terry missed a game or not. But Terry Terry missed,
0: uh, yeah, missed I think he missed right two. I think
1: I think oh, for, yeah, okay. I think week f- his fourteenth no, game one. he had a high angle. He missed, he missed, one. He he one
0: missed one like week six and, six and like weeks. 16, 17, I think, but okay. he missed one of those games.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, Sims – And then even with the new coaching staff, like, it, he, they are throwing the ball so much more than what they did. I think there were 29 the – new coaching
2: the staff season. is going to benefit the, yeah. both the wide receivers. Like, yeah. with Scott Turner coming in, he's he's definitely going to be better than uh, Bill Callahan yeah. uh, as far
1: as the, the wide receiver production. Yeah, and he's Absolutely. going as a 250th player overall. Like, you, you can <laughs> he can literally pick him up, like, after your draft if you want. Like, yeah, yeah. Just, like, trade two
0: players and then pick up Sims. Yeah. My thing with Sims is he's, like, so – like, I don't have metrics to, like, say this. Just is just strictly eye test. When yeah. I watch him play, he reminds me so much of Curtis Samuel. And Curtis Samuel, if you guys don't remember, was, like, being hyped up by Scott Turner himself. He's like, this guy's going to go for a 1,000 yards, whatever. Lo and behold, they had horrible quarterback play. So yeah. Samuel's passes were all uncatchable, and he's, like, too fast for it. But Steven Sims reminds me of that guy. He's super explosive in the open field. He creates separation. He's a very, very polished route runner for being an undrafted rookie. Like, obviously, I'm super high on McLaurin because he's – like, even if Sims gets 100 targets, McLaurin's still seeing 150. Yeah, he will. But, like, I think Sims is a realistic candidate to finish as, like, a really good flex this year because Washington, their defense could be decent, but they're not going to be great. Their offense is definitely not going to be great, at least running the football. I don't believe in them running the football. So – they're gonna have to throw. Scott Turner is a quarter or is a coach that likes to throw the football. Sims is gonna see volume, and like you said, when you put that much efficiency as an undrafted rookie, like this kid's only gonna get better. He's gonna yeah. feel more confident. He's gonna build more rapport with Haskins. He's literally probably the single most single-handedly most slept-on player in all of fantasy football right now because he's really talented. When you watch him play, and like people just. They assume he's, like, Redskins, whatever. Like, he's just trash because he's for the Redskins or Washington football Football team. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) My apologies. But there's just, like, he's someone that, like you said, like, you can literally pick him up, and he's probably going to finish, I'll say, as a flex. Like, after the season, just because of the lack of other targets to throw to in Washington.
1: Hmm. I think over the last – five weeks or four weeks he saw like eight red zone targets too yeah no he
0: was heavily targeted by Haskins because McLaurin was getting that Julio treatment where he's like bracketed in the red zone so yeah Stephen Sims I mean if he's gonna be honestly if you want to say like the, the most high upside comparison for Stephen Sims in terms of what his role is gonna be is like a real like a like a Dollar Tree Calvin Ridley like he's gonna see one on one coverage the <laughs> yeah, entire time. that's exactly time. what I was he's thinking. See a lot of target like people don't want to hear that because it's like Stephen Sims Jr. Who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Calvin Ridley obviously a stud. He was drafted in the first round, but in terms of in terms of role on their team, I think you're looking at a, a wide receiver too that's going to be highly efficient. So yeah, mm-hmm. Stephen Sims. As crazy as it sounds, probably one of the best values in fantasy football right now. So I totally agree with that one. Um. All right, so I'm going to talk about my guy. Not my number one guy, because that's Terry McLaurin, but this is my number one running back value. And, Connor, I know you had a post saying he was overvalued. I've, like, really looked into this whole thing because uh, I've, I'm like, sure. had – because I saw – I was super high on him before the draft. And then when they drafted Lynn Bowden Jr. and resigned Jay and Richard, I was like, yo, do they really not think Josh Jacobs can, like, do all this stuff? And – after looking at everything, I am still completely convinced Josh Jacobs is going to finish as a top six running back. So moving up a
1: little, I when, think I'm you, a, I'm a, he's nine now.
0: Yeah, when you contextualize everything with Josh Jacobs, here's the thing: they are like, there's not many franchise running backs in the NFL, and the up to this point, the Reds, the Raiders have treated him as a franchise running back. They drafted him in the first round when they had no receivers. They were looking at changing quarterbacks; like they had nothing. Right? They drafted him in the first round. They did that. He paced for 1,600 scrimmage yards on 323 touches despite despite playing with a fractured shoulder for the last six weeks of the season. And yes, they brought in Lynn Bowden Jr., but people failed to bring into the equation that DeAndre Washington left and went to Kansas City, and he had 144 touches in 2019. So you're looking at a guy that was on pace for 320 touches as a rookie with a bum shoulder. I think the floor for him is going to be 330 touches this year, and I see him getting 350-plus with a lot of the increase coming in the receiving game because if you go back to like pre-draft scouting and just watching Josh Jacobs play like Alabama was lining this dude up in the slot like he was literally running like seam routes and post routes and beating safeties and coverage like SEC safeties like this dude can run routes he's a receiving weapon he's not just a receiving back that can catch passes out of the backfield he's like a Miles Sanders type of receiver where you can put him and make him run routes and he'll create separation and then create after the catch because he's just super explosive. He's not crazy athletic. He ran a four, six at his pro day. That's like one of the gripes people have about him. He doesn't really have that home run speed, but Josh Jacobs, like when you watch him play, like there's literally no flaws in this guy's game. And if you want to say Jalen Richard, like they re-signed him. Yes, they re-signed him, but look at what, how they used him last year. Like he really only got on the field for third and longs. Like, even at that, Jalen Rashard is not a great pass blocker. Josh Jacobs, in my opinion, is a better pass blocker from the film that I've seen. DeAndre Washington was the best pass blocker there, but Josh Jacobs is going to take off today, like the majority of DeAndre Washington's like passing workload, which was 41 targets and 33 receptions, I believe. I think Josh Jacobs gets a huge increase in the passing game, and that's what you need in order to be a top tier running back. You need to see like those 50 plus uh, targets or receptions, and I think Josh Jacobs gets that. Because this team is building around him. They have speed on the outside now. He's going to be even more efficient than he was last year. And I think everything is just pointing towards him being this year's version of Dalvin Cook, where the offense is completely predicated on how good Dalvin Cook is going to be for us. I think the offense this year is completely predicated on how good Josh Jacobs is going to be for the Raiders. And I believe in what the Raiders are doing, at least offensively. Defensively, I can't say the same. But offensively, I really believe in what the Raiders are doing. They're moving to a new city. Like, Josh Jacobs is the face of the franchise right now, and he should be drafted as such. Like, if you can get this guy – similar to the way you feel about Sanders, it's how I feel about Josh Jacobs. Like, if you can get this guy round one, fine with me. If you want to reach for him, take him there. But if you can get this dude round two, that is league-winning upside in the second round.
1: I'd happily take him round two at this point. Uh, You've you've convinced me a lot more after that, but I, I was already moving up on him, and I was doing my dynasty rankings yesterday. I think he was like eighth overall or something, yeah. RB six or something. Like, he he's like a hit in dynasty because like he's got what, four more years in the Raiders system. Like it, it's perfect. No no concerns in dynasty. But this year I'm still a little skeptical on the passing. But with the rushing upside he has, it, he he's gonna be a great pick. I, I can't. It, I'm I'm on him now at this point. A, a little bit. More, a I'm, I'm more glad.
0: Than- I'm glad to hear it. I'm literally the. I am Mr. Josh Jacobs for fantasy this year. Like I've been supporting him since literally like January and I've, I've caught some flack for it, especially on Twitter. Cause people are like, dude, this guy's not going to see any, like I get into an argument with like one of those blue check guys on Twitter. And it's like, like you, like people just fail to contextualize things. Someone was trying to compare him to Joe Mixon, how like Joe Mixon hasn't really been like all that great despite having all the ability in the world. And the thing, the difference is like Joe Mixon, they brought him in as a compliment to what the, Bengals had in the passing game like he was supposed to be like that missing link for Andy Dalton uh, Tyler Boyd AJ Green whatever just ended up not living up to the expectation because of bad offensive line play bad coaching whatnot Josh Gibbs was brought in to be the guy for this offense and I think he you was the really guy. have to take into consideration that he was playing with a hurt shoulder you do not want someone with a hurt shoulder that is not willing to be super physical in pass blocking and pass protection and going out there and running routes and trying to raise his arm like, to catch a football. So like, there's those little things that I think people kind of forget when you're taking into yeah. account everything that happened for Josh Jacobs last year. You're looking at a guy that could realistically finish with over 2,000 yards from scrimmage, majority of that on the ground, but definitely a decent amount of it in the air. Like, he could lead the league in rushing, and I think he's going to be serviceable as a pass catcher in terms of fantasy purposes. So once again, Josh Jacobs, just, just do it. Just take the guy. Smash the draft button.
2: Yeah, I love this pick here with Josh Jacobs. I'd love to have him as a second-round running back. Um, one, of the, one of his strengths coming into drafts uh, um, when he when he was coming out of Alabama was his pass-catching ability and his overall ability to be a receiver in the passing game.
0: Exactly. And
2: going into his first year, he, he only got 27 targets in 13 games. That's two targets a game. So he wasn't getting the volume that most people really thought he was going to get. But going into the season, they get rid of DeAndre Washington – who, like you said, was really running, uh, was a part, was like the complimentary back that they had for uh, Josh Jacobs.
0: Yeah,
2: and he got over 100. He got what 140 uh, touches in that yeah. offense. So I think that he he really uh, takes a lot of those targets away, or he takes those targets from uh, DeAndre Washington for like what what he left on the table. And like you said, I really I really see him finishing with at least 330 uh, touches. And if you can get that in the second round, like, boom, you, you're set as your RB1 or even possibly RB2 if you go double RB there. Yeah. So, I love the Josh Jacobs pick here. Um, they they also have a formidable offensive line. They have some studs in there with uh, – Fourth. They ranked Houston. fourth
0: last year according to PFF. Like, it isn't the be-all, end-all, but you have a really good offensive yeah. line for a running back that needs a good offensive line. So – Josh Jacobs like okay Connor I want to ask you this if you were picking say 10th overall or 12th overall in a 12 team would you be comfortable or would you be like happy going with Sanders and Jacobs as your RB1 and 2
1: I, I would yeah and for the record when I made that overvalue post he was going as the RB7 or 8 I think yeah his ADP's
0: and, gone down since then yeah. It, like for, it briefly it, like, skyrocketed in the off season yeah. like and I was pissed because he was going to, like RB 15 I think in like January yeah yeah like he was going much later and then he like skyrocketed and then he moved back to kind of going i think he's like rb9 rb10 right now and like that's completely fine with me
2: like i would be i think that he's still sitting behind aaron jones which is absurd to me like you you did a video on um like uh talking about josh jacobs and you said that you'd you'd much rather have him uh than aaron jones that was pre-draft that 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 was yeah that was that was early (laughs) yeah in the offseason so uh i think that we you got a bit of backlash for that they're 11 and 12 so. right?
0: 11th and 12th, like pfft. josh jacobs rb 12 like th- those are two guys uh jacobs and sanders i think if you want guys that could somehow both finish inside the top six like jacobs and sanders is your best bet you yeah. want to draft like running backs that are young and getting better so yeah
1: i'd be i'd be more than happy drafting those two at the 11 and 12 yeah i think that's a
0: great strategy to start because you want these running backs that are ascending like running backs have a very short shelf life and i'd rather take a shot on someone that has a chance at being drafted top five next year as opposed to potentially taking someone like dalvin cook who could easily fall out if things don't go his way maybe hurts his shoulder once again so these i think these I, i don't know if we talked eight or nine guys uh but i think nine players like These are all dudes that if you get them in your drafts, you probably killed it in terms of value and also upside. Like, all these dudes have potential to really just kill their ADPs. And I agree with every single one of our picks, really. Like, I don't really see anything that I disagree with. So, I don't know about you guys. But I'm completely on board with drafting all nine of these guys. Me as well,
2: 100%.
0: That wraps things up for the My Guy podcast. As always, feel free to find us on Twitter at FTFantasyFB and on Instagram at First Take Fantasy. If you don't follow Connor already, make sure you give him a follow at fantasy__champs. Underscore underscore if you have any feedback or topics you would like for us to discuss, social media is definitely the best way to get in touch with us. Since the NFL is just over a month away, we are now doing two podcasts a week, one releasing on Wednesdays and one releasing on Saturdays, trying to cover everything fantasy football as we try to stay up to date during a pandemic affecting training camp.